Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would use the word that's before us to cause us to want to know you, to cause us to hear David say in Psalm 27, seek my face, and my heart said, I will seek. Lord, make us a people who seek you, who in the words of Psalm 105, who seek you and your strength continually. And Lord, I pray that you would so work in our hearts that we would not be distracted by all the gifts that you give and all the ways that you bless. Cause us to be people who know you and thereby who know the abundant life that Christ came to give and who know that to know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent is eternal life. We ask that you do this by the power of your spirit working through your word for the glory of Christ, for the good of the nations, Lord, that we might carry out this great commission. We pray that you do it in Christ's name. Amen. I would invite you to open... The Bible this morning to Genesis chapter 27. If you didn't bring a copy of the text, there's probably one in the pew in front of you. If you don't have a copy, feel free to take that when they're with you when you leave. Uh, the, the, the sermon this morning is entitled, How to Ruin Your Life and Wreck Your Family. Isn't that encouraging? That's what the passage is about. We're going to see a story of how Rebecca ruined her life, wrecked her family. That's what happens here in Genesis chapter 27. Jacob joined right in with her. Esau was right along with her. Isaac, Isaac was, was on the program. They were, they were all together in this great task of ruining their lives and wrecking their families. And here's how they did it. Here's the recipe for doing that. If that's what you want, you want to ruin your life, wreck your family, here's what you do. Seek God's blessing but don't seek God. Seek God's gifts, but don't seek Him. And disregard His ways, disregard His commandments, and just try to get the good things that He gives apart from Him, and you will ruin your life, and you will wreck your family. This, this chapter is remarkable uh, for the, the honesty. I mean, what what book is going to present its heroes? Isaac is one of, one of the heroes of Genesis, right? He's one of the patriarchs of Israel. What book is going to present its heroes the way Isaac is presented in this chapter? Jacob, he, his name gets changed to Israel. What book is going to present a hero like Jacob the way Genesis 27 presents him? This is remarkable what happens in this chapter. And... And, and this chapter really brings out the, the, the majesty of the, the artistic 
power of the book of Genesis. And, and I think it's important for you to see this because you are a creature made in the image of God. And we who are made in the image of God, we're interested in things like the Grand Canyon. We're interested in things like the Grand Canyon because we see it and it just strikes awe into us. Our, it's like our mouths naturally open in wonder at this. And what God has done by the power of the Holy Spirit is inspired Moses to write a story that is as amazing as the Grand Canyon is awesome. And if you don't understand how the story works, you won't see it. It'll be like going to the Grand Canyon with, with glasses that are, are closed. They're like blinders. And you put the blinders on and you can't see what's in front of your face. And so your, your mouth won't open and you won't stand in wonder. So this is my little apology and my plea for you. To, to receive what I'm about to offer you about the, the, the glory of the literature, the, the amazing way that Moses put this book together. This is important for us. It's important for us because the Bible, particularly, I mean, Genesis is what we're looking at now. It's like going to the Sistine Chapel or the Louvre, it, you know, one of these great wonders of the world. The artistry here is awesome. And it, it helps to, to communicate the message that Moses is trying to get, a, get across. So Moses is trying to teach us, and he's doing so in a way that is meant to grab our brains and demand from us our attention and our thought. Okay, so here's what I'm talking about. Maybe, maybe you've been here, and you received from me a few weeks ago my little color-coded chiasm thing that I gave you. If you, if you were not here when these were handed out, uh, you, can, you can look on maybe with somebody next to you or you can uh, uh, text me and I'll, and I'll email, or email me and I'll send it to you or you know, somehow you can get your hands on this, but if you don't have it, I apologize. If you have it, I would invite you to pull it out and you'll see how Genesis 27 and 28 are in red as are Genesis 18 and 19. And the reason that those two two sets of two chapters, 18 and 19, and 27 and 28 are in red, is because Moses has structured the book so that these chapters correspond to one another, and they actually invert one another's stories. Here's, here's what I mean. At the end of those two chapters, at the end of 19, do you remember what happens? Lot's daughters tragically deceive him. Well, at the beginning of 27, what's going to happen is Jacob, um, Isaac's son Jacob is going to deceive him. And then similarly, uh, working, working back through chapter 18, what happens in the body of, I'm, I'm sorry, through 19, what happens in the body of Genesis 19 is Sodom is destroyed. And what happens in the body of this chapter that we're looking at today is this family, which is supposed to be the family through which the world is going to be saved, the family of Abraham, the family is going to be destroyed. We're going to see the fracturing of their relationships. And, and we'll, we'll see it as we work through the chapter. And then uh, prior to that, in Genesis 18, what happens is God reveals himself to Abraham. Remember the three men show up and Abraham flies into action and he begins to serve them. And then he intercedes with the Lord on behalf of Sodom. Well, what happens in Genesis 28 is God reveals himself to Jacob. So it's like Genesis 18, going 18 to 19, it's like revelation, destruction, and then deception by, of parents by children. 
And then 27 and 28 flips that, and it's deception of parents by Jacob deceiving Isaac, and then destruction of the family, and then revelation to Jacob. So, the, and, and this is, Moses means for us to think about these things in relationship to one another. I think one of the points that he's driving at here is that this holy family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're really no better than Sodom. They're really no better than Sodom. And you'll hear that echo. Isaiah gets it. Isaiah picks up on that, and that's why he denounces the people of Israel with words like this. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. And we should hear that, and we should feel, I don't deserve God's mercy. I don't don't deserve God's promise. If, If God has opened your heart to the word, it's not because you earned it. Jacob, he didn't earn God's revealing himself to him. Isaac didn't earn God's, nobody earns God's favor. God freely bestows his favor on sinners. That's a big point that's going to be made in these chapters. Also, not only does it, does it go backward, it also goes forward. So if, if you've got the little, I like that phrase, colored-coded chiasm sheet. If you've got this, you'll notice that chapters 27 and 28 stand across from chapters 32 and 33. And again, there are these inversions that happen. In other words, the the, the events are flipped in the other direction from, from the way that they happened the first time. So in chapter 27, Jacob is going to steal Esau's blessing. In chapter 33, if you want to glance over there, it's, it's really remarkable. In, in 33, 17, Jacob says to Esau, please accept my blessing. It's like he's trying to give it back. He stole it from Isaac in chapter 27. He's trying to give it back in chapter 33. And then, similarly, in chapter 27, after he steals the blessing, at the end of the chapter, we'll see he departs. Well, at the beginning of 33, he returns. And then, in this, in this unit, which, which really, in some ways, began in chapter 25 and stretches through chapter 36, this is, this is the centerpiece of this unit, and it's all about conflict. So you see the Jacob and Esau conflict in chapters 27 and 33. And then in chapter 28, God reveals himself to Jacob. He's going to reveal himself again to Jacob in chapter 32. And Jacob's a really unique character. I mean, I mean you know, other people, God reveals, uh, God reveals himself to Abraham. Abraham falls on his face, right? God reveals himself to Isaac. Isaac does what, what, what God says to do. God reveals himself to Jacob. What does Jacob do? He attacks him. He tries to wrestle him. He tries to overcome him. Uh, well, that's what, so that's the conflict in 28 and 32, the conflict between Jacob and God. In 29 and 31, the conflict is between Jacob and Laban. And then in, in chapter 30, the conflict is between Leah and Rachel as they compete with one another for children. And, and, and running all through this is all just struggle struggle and animosity and deception and God it's like God is wrestling Jacob to the ground so there's a there's just a magnificent story here that is fodder for you to meditate on day and night for you to read your life in light of and and as we as we continue through this story I'll suggest some ways for us to do that before we dive into Genesis 27, I've got to to remind you of two things from Genesis 25. So if you'll look with me at Genesis 25, 
I want to remind you what the Lord said to Rebecca in verse 23 of Genesis 25. You'll remember that the the children in 25-22 were struggling together within her, and she's wanting to know, why is this happening to me? And so she, went, she goes to inquire of the Lord, and I think that what she does is she goes to the, the prophet that she knows, Isaac, because the Lord has been revealing himself to Isaac, and so by inquiring of the Lord, I think what she's done is she's gone to her husband and she says, what's going on? And so Isaac goes to the Lord, and the Lord gives this revelation in verse 23. Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. And and we know from the rest of the story that Jacob is going to become Israel, the nation of Israel, and Esau is going to become Edom, the Edomites, who were opposed to the Israelites all through the rest of the Bible. And then it says, the one shall be stronger than the other. I think that's probably talking about how Esau is going to be stronger than Jacob, And then, at the end of verse 23, the older, and we know that's Esau, shall serve the younger, Jacob. Now, if Isaac knows about this, here's what Isaac should think. Isaac should think something like this. Okay, God made a promise to my father Abraham about the seed that would come through him. And God told Abraham in Genesis 22, 17 and 18... That in Abraham and in his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And if I put that together with earlier statements about seed, particularly Genesis 3.15, that means that the seed of Abraham is going to be the one that we've been looking for who's going to bruise the head of the serpent and thereby overcome the evil one and reopen the way to God's presence and roll back the curses and bring about God's salvation. So that means, Isaac, I think, should conclude... Jacob is the one who's in this line of descent. Jacob is the one that God is going to use to bring about the salvation of the world. And Isaac doesn't draw that conclusion. And this next verse in chapter 25 suggests why. So if you look at chapter 25, verse 28, we read, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, that's all we're told. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. And then Moses shows us the outworking of this here in chapter 27. And and I'll have more to say about about this love, love of game in just a moment, love of food that's hunted in just a moment. But, but before we get into chapter 27, I just want to preview for you what we're going to see here. We're basically going to see a series of conversations. It begins with Isaac talking to Esau. And then the next conversation is Rebekah talking to Jacob. And then after that, Jacob is going to go to Isaac. And then Esau is going to go to Isaac. And then Rebekah is going to talk to Jacob again. And then the chapter will conclude with a conversation between Rebekah and Isaac. So that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're going to work through here. So we start with this opening conversation between Isaac and Esau. And I want to remind you, Isaac should know Jacob is the child of promise. Jacob is the seed through whom God is going to save the world through his line of descent. But look at what he does here in Genesis 27. We read here, when Isaac was old, 
and his eyes were dim so that he could not see. He called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, I just want to pause a note here. As a, as a kind of outworking of this chapter, Jacob is going to be sent to Paddan Aram, to Rebekah's family. And you remember the story, if you've read this before. He's going to serve seven years. He's going to serve Laban seven years for Leah. And then he's going to serve Laban seven years for Rachel. And then he's going to serve Laban six years for Laban's flocks. So he's going to serve Laban 20 years. And then he's going to come back, and Isaac is still going to be alive. So Isaac... He's old, and he doesn't know the day of his death, but he's not about to die any second. He's got another 20 years or more to live. And he tells his son here in verse 3, Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow. And I just want to observe that earlier in Genesis, back in 21-20, we read about someone who was expert in the bow. And that someone also was an older son, and he was not the seed of promise. And he was, he was rejected by the Lord. And he was an expert with the bow. You know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about Ishmael. And, and I think that this reference to the bow is linking, Moses is linking Esau to Ishmael. And, and both of them are older sons who are not the child of promise, not the seed of promise. Take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare for me delicious food, such as I love. As we go through this passage, there are going to be many, many references to this savory food, this delicious food that Isaac loves. There are going to be all these references to Isaac eating of this game. It's going to happen over and over and over again. It's a major focus of the chapter. And then Isaac says in the middle of verse 4, And bring it to me, so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Here's what I would suggest has happened. Isaac has become distracted from God's purpose. Isaac, it's like he's taken his eye off the ball. Bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases loaded, Full count, fastball right down the middle, and instead of focusing on the ball and winning the game for the team, Isaac has decided, I don't want to play baseball. I want to pick a fight with the third base coach. Isaac has totally lost the point. Isaac thinks, this food is so good. I've got to bless Esau. Esau's the one who should be blessed. I like this food so much. Isaac, don't you know why you're here? Don't you remember the word of God? Aren't you concerned about the salvation of the world? So here's my point of application for you from Genesis 27 verses 1 through 4. Don't let your appetites distract you from God's purposes and cause you to oppose God's word. Don't let your appetites, your belly, your taste buds, make it where you think, oh, God's word about Jacob, wow, that, that's not important. I'm actually going to bless Esau. Isaac, you're going against God's purposes. You're, you're, you're contradicting God's word. That's what your appetite has done for you. 
chapter 25, verse 28, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. Don't let that happen to you. So we see this initial conversation between Isaac and Esau, and it's a warning to us. It's a warning to us. You need to take stock of your life. You need to look at what your appetites are. And you need to ask yourself, is this helping me to embrace God's word? Is this helping me to pursue what God has said he is after, what he's about in the Bible? And if the answer is no, you need to get control of your belly. You can't be that person that Paul describes in Philippians 3. Their God, little g, is their belly. We don't want to be there. Next, we have this conversation between Rebecca and Jacob, beginning in, cha- in chapter 27, verse 5, and running through verse 17, verse 5 of Genesis 27. Now, Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. Let's just hit pause here. And what would we want a godly, loving wife to do at this point? I think an appropriate thing to do is not the course of action that Rebecca takes. An appropriate thing, if Rebecca wants to be godly, if she wants to pursue a holy course, the right thing to do, I think, is to try to get alone with Isaac and say, "Um, Isaac, I know you love Esau, and I understand. I I really appreciate his virtues. There There are wonderful things about our son. But you remember, right, what the Lord said? You remember his, his promises way back in Genesis 3 about the seed of the woman? You remember how he elaborated on that to Abraham? And you remember what was revealed to us about how the older, and that would be Esau, will serve the younger. I just thought I'd mention these things to you, Isaac, because I heard you say, say that you wanted to bless Esau. And, and we would hope... That if Rebecca had come to him that way, humbly, lovingly, in private, that perhaps Esau would have said, I'm so thankful for a Proverbs, I mean, he doesn't have Proverbs 31, hasn't been written yet, but I'm so thankful for a Proverbs 31 woman who loves me, who loves the Bible, who loves God's promises, and who reminds me of the word of God. I had gotten distracted by my love for his game, game. But what I really need to do, you're right, is bless the child that God has designated to be the chosen one. Well, none of that happens. Look at verse 5. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. And I don't know if you've, I mean, it's already begun to happen, but there are going to be 22 times in this chapter that the word son will be used. 21 times in this chapter that the word father will be used. 13 times the word brother is going to be used. And five times the word mother is going... So it's heavily focused on the family. Heavily focused on father, son, brother, mother. I heard your father... Speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Parents, don't talk to your kids about your spouse. You need to talk to your spouse. Don't do this. And don't, 
I mean, this is, it should be obvious, right? Don't set your kids against your spouse. I mean, it's like Rebecca's going to decide to go to war against Isaac using Jacob as a weapon. How is that going to work out? It's not going to work out well. Verse 8. Now, therefore, my son, and the ESV renders this, obey my voice. Uh, in Hebrew, the word obey is the same word for hear. And so if we were to translate this, hear my voice, I, I, I hope, as we've been through Genesis, that would, this would send up some red flags. And we would think of Genesis 3.17, where the Lord said to Ab Adam, because you have listened, same word, to the voice of your wife. And then we would think of Abraham, when Sarah gets that horrible plan, we'll just have a baby by Hagar. And Abraham listened to the voice of his wife. And now, here's Rebecca, and she's saying to, to Jacob, hear or listen to my voice. And we should be saying, no, don't do that. Don't do that. This is not good. Hear my, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food. Here's that food again. For your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Now, Jacob, his mind is running. He's, it's like Jacob has, has gotten into the plan and he started to think through how this is going to work out if I do this. And so he comes up with, with this, well, verse 11, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. You can see how his mind's working. His mind is, is playing through the possibility. Yeah, I could go in there and try to steal the blessing, but he might feel me, and he's hairy and I'm smooth. Verse 12, Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me. I mean, this makes, I don't know if it popped into your mind, but this makes me think of those people in Jerusalem saying, his blood be on us and on our children. Let your curse be on me, my son. Only, here it is again, obey my voice. Here, listen to my voice and go bring them to me. Now, there are a number of similarities between what happens right here and what happened in Genesis 3. As in Genesis 3, it was Eve who took some of the fruit and gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And, and so there's a taking and initiated. I mean, the, the serpent tempted the woman. The woman then took the fruit, and then she, so in a way, she initiates the thing, and, and then they eat. Now, here again, there's references to taking. Take this, these kids from the flock, and, and, and this is for the purpose of eating. And then look at what happens. Verse 14, he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her son, which were with her in the house, and she put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands. Uh, there, there's a word that's translated put on here that's it's a Hebrew term that we haven't seen since Genesis 3 when the Lord made garments of skin 
for them and put them on, clothe them. And the terminology is the same. This is, this, in other words, this is the first time we've read about this clothing, and it's the only other place in Genesis where we read somebody clothed with skin. So I think Moses wants you to think of God clothing Adam and Eve with skin. So he wants you to think of Genesis 3. So like Eve, Rebecca initiates. Like Adam, Jacob listened to her voice. As in Genesis 3, there's a taking of food, and then there's going to be an eating. And as in Genesis 3, there's going to be a clothing with, with these skins. And, and we'll continue to think about this as we move through the passage, because it, it, it has further significance for us. Verse 17, she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. So that's the end of the conversation, the interaction between, between Rebecca and Jacob. And that brings us to the interaction between Jacob and Isaac. But before we go there, I, I, I have to give you this, I, I think, fairly obvious point of applica- application. Don't oppose sin by sinning. Okay? So... What's Rebecca trying to do? She's trying to keep Isaac from doing the wrong thing by blessing Esau. Well, how does she do that? By deceiving Isaac, by trying to steal the blessing. That's not the way to do it. Don't oppose evil by doing evil. And everybody in the story, everybody in the story is trying to get God's blessing without reference to God's character, without reference to getting God. They're trying to get God's good gifts in a wicked, sinful, transgressing transgressing way. Now, as as we start into this conversation between Isaac and Jacob, here in verses 18 through 29, you know, there there are some statements that are going to come later in the Torah that, that inform, I think, uh, how Moses wants, to, wants us to respond to this. The first one is, honor your father. I mean, I know it's honor your father and mother, right? But honor your father. This is not honor, honorable. Jacob is not going to honor Isaac. There, there are commandments in the law of Moses about not misleading the blind. And, and strict penalties will be visited for those who mislead the blind. And Jacob is going to take advantage of his own father's blindness. Don't bear, you shall not bear false witness. And we're going to see Jacob lie, rep, I mean, just bold-faced, flat-out lie. And, and, it, and it's, even, it's even, I think, worse than that. Jacob is going to take the name of the Lord in vain. So let's look together at the passage. Verse 18. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you? my son. And if you're a parent and you've got kids that are about the same, I mean, these, these are twins, right? And, and uh, maybe, maybe you've talked to related people and they, sort of, they sound alike, but you can't always tell who you're talking to. But Isaac, his, his antenna's up. Isaac can tell, mm, I'm not quite sure this is Esau. I want to verify the identity. And he's going to be suspicious from first to last. Throughout this conversation, Isaac is going to be suspicious. So he says, who are you, my son? Verse 19, Jacob said to his father. 
I am Esau. It's amazing, the bold-faced lie. Your firstborn. That's the first lie. Here's the second. I have done as you told me. No, you haven't. He, first of all, he didn't give the instructions to you. He didn't tell you to do this. Second of all, you didn't go hunt, and you didn't prepare the food. You went and got a couple of, couple of goats, and Rebecca prepared the food. Now sit up and eat of my game, game that your soul may bless me. You know, if you pursue it like this, if you pursue blessings like this, you may find what you're seeking in a way. Jacob is going to be enormously blessed. He, he's going he's to go over to Paddan Aram and his flocks are going to multiply and his, his children are going to multiply and he's going to be empty. He's going to have no peace. He's going to have no, no sense of fulfillment. You're going to be singing that song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. That's where you're going to be if you pursue it like this. You can have everything and you will have nothing. Verse 20, Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Isaac, he knows how long it takes to go hunt. And this is not taking very long for Jacob to bring this food back. He answered, and here's where he takes the, the name of the Lord in vain. And, and, I mean, this is blasphemous. Because Yahweh, notice he calls him your God, Jacob, is, is it, it, it's amazing to me how long it takes Jacob to submit. I mean, the Lord is going to reveal himself to Jacob, and instead of, in Genesis 28, instead of worshiping the Lord, Jacob's going to lay out all these conditions. Well, if you bring me back safely, and you keep me alive, and you give me food and clothing, and you give me all these things that you promise me, then I'll worship you. Moses is not saying, hey, everybody be like Jacob. Moses is saying... The way that Jacob, Jacob is acting is not the way to be. Because Yahweh your God granted me success, he says there at the end of verse 20. It's a flat-out lie. Then Isaac said to Jacob, he doesn't believe him, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to, his, to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice. And you wonder, don't you, whether Jacob had somehow made his voice sound gruffer so he sound, sounded like Esau, perhaps. You know, what, what did he do to try to deceive his father? His father saw right through it. He says, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And, it, it, you know, if you, if you look back over this, Jacob has been verbose to this point. I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Now sit up and eat him again. You know, he's got all these long-winded sentences. After this, he's going to be as quiet as he can. After his father says, the voice is the voice of Jacob's, he says almost nothing. Verse 23, he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game 
and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said. Now before, before I read this blessing, I just, I just want to observe the way that what happens here is, again, just like what happened in Genesis 3. So what Moses has done is he has put Jacob in the place of those who ate the forbidden fruit. And now, just as God blessed Adam and Eve, I mean, I, yeah, he spoke words of judgment to them, but he also gave them Genesis 3.15, that word about the seed of the woman who's going to bruise the serpent's head. He blessed the sinners. Isaac blesses Jacob, the sinner. And Adam lied to God. Have you eaten of the tree? Well, the woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit, and I ate. And, and Jacob has lied to his father. And this, this passage that we're looking at, where so similarly, just as God blesses the sinners, Adam and Eve, and then Isaac blesses Jacob... God also cursed the serpent in Genesis 3, and he curses Cain in Genesis 4. And uh, Isaac is going to curse Esau, and Esau is going to look like Cain. And so not only does this blessing point backwards, it also points forward. So let's look at verse 27 here, what Isaac says. He says, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord is blessed. This is why Rebekah clothed him with Esau's garments. And then he says, verse 28, may God give you of the dew of heaven. And again, this is a, an arid uh, climate. There's not a lot of rain. There's not a lot of water. So this is God's blessing for there to be dew, for there to be water. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. So because there's dew, because there's water, the grain and the, vi the vines, the grapes are going to grow, so there's going to be plenty of grain and wine. And then verse 29, let peoples serve you. Uh, this language is going to be picked up in Psalm 2 when, when uh, David speaks of the peoples raging against the Lord and against his Messiah but all the Messiah has to do is ask of the Lord, and the Lord will make the ends of the earth his possession. Let, the people, let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Um, later in the book of Genesis, we're going we're gonna to see um, Joseph have these dreams of, of uh, his father and mother and brothers bowing down to him. And then Joseph is going to be exalted as Lord over Egypt. And all the nations are going to come to Joseph and bow down before him. And then at the end of the book, in Genesis 49, uh, this guy, Jacob, Israel, is going to say over his son Judah the very words that we have right, right here after this next phrase in 29, Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Genesis 49.8, that's what Jacob's going to say over Judah. May your mother's sons bow down to you. And then the last statement there in verse 29 rephrases Genesis 12.3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. 
to cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And, and so this is pointing back to Genesis 12, the blessing of Abraham. It's pointing forward to the blessing of Judah in Genesis 49, 8 through 12. It's also pointing forward. It's going to be picked up in Numbers 24 in the Balaam oracles. And Balaam is going to, he's going to quote the end of verse 29, cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And then in Numbers 24, 17, he's going to talk about the scepter and the star that's going to arise out of out of Israel, out of Judah, and, and rule over all the nations. It, so what's this about? This is about the seed of promise. This is about God's plan to save the world. So, so look at what's going on. Jacob is doing this blasphemous, lying, deceitful act where he is stealing his brother's blessing from his own father. And God is saying, I'm going to save the world. And even in the midst of this act of sin, I'm going to inspire by my spirit Isaac, and then I'm going to inspire Moses to record it, and I'm going to announce these words that are going to echo through the prophecies that are going to culminate in Jesus, because this is the kind of God the God of the Bible is. He's a holy God who wants to save sinners. And those sinners, they don't become holy for him to save them. They're sinners. Jacob is wicked here. Isaac is... He's trying to bless the wrong person. And in the midst of all of this rebellion, God's word comes. And, and God's saving love comes. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is the gospel. This is how the gospel came to us. We were in full-on rebellion against God, hating him, pursuing our own agenda, and the word of God came to us and turned us. That's what happens when somebody gets saved. And if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, we want to happen to you what happens to Jacob. We want you to meet the God of the Bible, and, and we want you to exhaust yourself against him. You know, over in Genesis 32, there's this wrestling match between, between the angel of the Lord and Jacob. And it's like, it's like the Lord is just waiting for him to finally surrender. And when he don't, doesn't, when he won't, the Lord just touches his hip, throws it out of socket, ends the match. You don't want it to take that. You don't want the Lord to have to cripple you. He's almighty. You should turn. You should submit. You should repent. You should embrace what he's, what he's up to. So in this conversation between Isaac and Jacob, we really see the way that God is at work to bring Christ into the world, to bring about the salvation of those who will believe. And next we have the conversation between Isaac and Esau in verse 30 and following. So verse 30, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food. I mean, it, you know, it's worded such that Jacob's coming out and Esau's coming in. They cross paths. And then he prepares the delicious food. He brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered. And, and he's going to say the very words that Jacob had said earlier in the passage. I am your son, your firstborn. 
Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then? He, he knows who it was. Who was it then? The voice was the voice of Jacob's. That hunted game and brought it to me, and I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. And here I think Isaac gets it. Yes, and he shall be blessed. I think at that point, it clicks in Isaac's mind. It's as though perhaps he remembers the older will serve the younger. He will be blessed. He's the one that God intended to bless. And I was wrong about trying to bless you, Esau. He will be blessed. And in this culture where these, these ceremonies are binding, you know, it's like they've eaten the covenantal meal and, and Isaac has spoken the, the binding words, pledging himself, blessing. Well, there's no taking it back. Verse 34, as soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has Jacobed me. These two, my kids didn't want me to do that, but I did it anyway. He has Jacobed me because Jacob's name is used in the word for cheated. It's the, that's the word. He's cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, his Bekorah, B-K-R. And behold, he has now taken away my blessing, Barak, B-R-K. Just, you know, change the last two syllables. And you remember the mother's name, Rebecca, Rebecca. So there's, there's this, you know, these, these words are all related to one another. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, behold, I have made him Lord over you. And all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O oh, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And this is what the author of Hebrews is talking about, you know, when he says that afterward, when Esau sought to obtain the blessing, that's what Esau's after. And then the author of Hebrews says, he found no place for repentance. Though he sought it, not repentance, he sought the blessing with tears, okay? If you seek repentance, repentance will be granted to you. If, if you're knocking on the door and you're trying to come to the Lord, Jesus says, everyone who comes to me, I will, I will in no wise cast them out. Everyone who comes to me will be saved. So nobody that's going to try to be repenting is going to be turned away. But if what you want is the blessing and you find no place for repentance, you can weep all you want for that blessing. And you will never get it. You will never have abundant life. You will never have the joy of the Lord unless you repent, unless you want God more than you want the stuff he can give you, more than you, you want the health that he might give you or the prosperity that you'll enjoy. you got to want God and to get God, you got to repent. you got to repent, and you got to embrace the promises. you got to believe. So if we, could, if we could say, hey, let's rewrite the script, 
and let's make Esau into a believer. What would that look like? Here's what it would look like. Esau somehow comes to learn that God has said the older will serve the younger. And he's learned of the blessing of Abraham in Genesis 3.15. And his response is, hallelujah, God's going to save the world through my brother Jacob. This is the only thing that will create harmony in a family. Common embrace of the purpose of God and the promises of God. It's the only thing that's going to make them united. For, for Esau to say, what I want is God's salvation. What I want is God's glory. And so Jacob is my brother. He's going to be the one that's blessed. I'm committed to Jacob. And that's the only thing that's going to bring about unity in this church. That's the only thing that's going to bring about unity in your family, individually, is for you all to say, what we want is God's glory. What we love is the gospel. And, and that's going to make it so that your relationships with other believers are awesome. Because there won't be this, this striving and this competition and this trying to outdo one another in worldly ways. No. There will be this, oh look, my brother in Christ did something good for the gospel. Hallelujah. I love the gospel. I love the glory of God. Hey, look, God blessed my brother with this, or my sister with this ability. Look at how good she is at it. Praise God for the ways that she can serve God's people. That's how Esau should respond, but there's none of that in Esau's heart. All he wants is the blessing. He wants the blessing, but he doesn't want God. Don't refuse to repent and try to own for yourself what God has not given to you. That's the application from this section. All that's left for Esau is a curse. Verse 39, Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven on high. The two things that he had promised to Jacob over in verse 28. Verse 40, by your sword you shall live. He's going to be a fighter. You remember what was said about Ishmael? His hand shall be against everyone. It's just a rephrasing of that kind of sentiment here. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And, and all this brother language, I mean, I, I hope that it maybe has already called to mind that question that an earlier rebel in the book asked. Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, Esau, that's what you should be. That's what you should want to be. Your brother is the seed of promise. Yeah, you should want to be his keeper. Not Esau. Verse 40, when you grow restless, remember Cain, the restless wanderer, different language in Hebrew, but same concept, restless wanderer on the earth. When you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. It's almost like he's a, a yoked mule or something. You remember, it was said of Ishmael, he'll be a wild donkey of a man, one that won't be yoked. So what, the point I'm making to you here is Moses is forging connections between Cain murderous brother, and Ishmael, mocker of Isaac, and now Esau, who wants to kill Jacob. The same things are happening. And Moses has structured the literature so that we see it. And next we get, we get, well, we get one more verse here, verse 41. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning from my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. If, if you go after God's 
promises, God's blessing in a fleshly way, this is what's going to result. This is exactly what James 4 is saying. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Is it not your passions? You murder and you don't, you kill and you covet and you don't have any of it. In verses 42 through 45, we see another conversation between Rebekah and Jacob. Verse 42, the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, here it is again, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away. It's worded so that we think it's just a few days. It's not going to take that long. It's going to be 20 years. We will never again read of Rebekah and Jacob being together. So this son that she loves, Jacob, 25 says Jacob loves, or Rebekah loved Jacob. This son that she loves, this son that she wants to be blessed, her course of action has resulted in a family fracture that will result in a, a permanent separation. Until your brother's anger turns away from you, verse 45, and he forgets what you have done to him. And I want to suggest to you that she's, she's not owning her responsibility. She, she should say at least what we did to him. And, you know, Moses doesn't dwell on this at all. But after the last verse of this chapter, we never again read of, of a conversation between Isaac and Rebekah. And in the rest of the book, we, we never, we, you'll read about this lady named Dinah, who's Rebekah's handmaid. You'll read about her dying and being buried. You never read about Rebekah's death. Rebekah, Rebekah ruined her life. She broke her family. Because she sought God's blessing, but she didn't seek God. At the end of verse 45, she says, Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? She's contemplating Esau murdering Jacob, and then Esau either having to flee or being himself struck down by an avenger of blood. And then this final conversation between Rebekah and Isaac Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women, the ones that, that uh, Esau has married. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? 1 John 3.12, we should not be like Cain who murdered his brother. Take responsibility for your sin. Repent of it. And embrace the promises. That's the way to God's blessing. Don't ruin your life. Don't wreck your family. Proverbs 15, verse 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. That sentiment is reiterated. Proverbs 16, verse 8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. And again, Proverbs 17, 1. Better is a dry morsel with quiet 
than a house full of feasting with strife. And I've been alluding throughout the sermon to these texts and the, and the prayer at the beginning. Psalm 27, verse 8, David says, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. And then Psalm 105, verse 4. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. He wants you to have that life by seeking God. He said in John 17, 3, that's John 10, verse 10. John 17, 3, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the way that Moses served us thousands of years ago by carefully crafting this story. And Lord, we we think of the way that Jacob, the deceiver, who tricked his father with goat skins will later in his own life be tricked by his own sons who will present to him goat skins that have bloodied a precious coat that belonged to his son Joseph. And Lord, we think of all the fallout of sin in these people's lives and we pray that you would lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Lord, we pray that you would cause us to be people who love you, who want you, who accept responsibility for what we've done, who confess our sin and repent of our sin, and who live strengthened by the promises that you have made, committed to those promises. And Lord, we pray that that you would cause your favor to rest upon us, We pray that you would spare us fractured families and permanent separations. Lord, what we most want is for your name to be exalted. What we most want is to see the promises fulfilled and realized, to see the heavens and the earth made new, to see every tear wiped away, and to join with that throng that's going to sing your praise forever. Lord, we love you, and we pray that you would give us wisdom by means of these passages and help us to have that that unity that results from being committed to the same things together, the ultimate things. Lord, this and more than we can ask or think, we pray that you'll do in Christ's name. Amen.